0: Lord, I don't think there's a person here in this church or over the internet that doesn't want to walk out of those old grave clothes that held us back for so many years. We want them off, Lord. We've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. It's Christ that lives in me. Get us out of these grave clothes of sin, Lord God, the sin that we love, the sin that we hate, the sin that we're convicted by your Holy Spirit of, and deliver us from these things that aren't, aren't right for your people to do. Take us out of these grave clothes, Lord, like you called out. said, Lazarus, come forth. Call out to us again. Come forth and get rid of those grave clothes you picked up over the years and burn them in the fire. Father, we did, through you, have accomplished many things in our life. We got rid of alcohol, drugs, cocaine, you name it, Lord. Lying, swearing, cheating. And if we can win through that through Christ, we can get rid of these grave clothes that we're wearing today. So forgive us of our sins, Lord, cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. because you said, if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So Lord, we gladly take your redemptive spirit and we long to live and serve you with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength. Help us to do so, Holy Spirit. Without you, it'd be useless. But you are the power from God. When the Holy Spirit, you came upon each of us, Lord, you gave us power to accomplish the things that God wants to get rid of in our life and to go where you want to take us instead of where we want to go. Lord, confess my sin. And I get rid of these grave clothes in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. And I bind back the enemy behind it all. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church. You may be seated. For those online, you just tuned in a little while ago. We have a new audience now, so you're listening to Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. I'm glad you're, you're there. Um, You uh, stay tuned, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2, get your Bibles out, turn to the second chapter, and we're going to go through that. The name of the message is Priceless. We're going to see five priceless things in that chapter, and we're probably not going to get all of them today. So if we do, that's fine. If we don't, that's okay too. Um, So for those online, this is Freedom Church, as I, I mentioned. If you're online, you can go to our website, if you're not, freedomchurchpb.org, freedomchurchpb.org, PB stands for Palm Beach, and you can find out our list of ministries, you can find out our beliefs, you can see, you can listen to services from years past, and you can even donate online should you should you uh, want to, or need to. Listen, a lot of people, we are your home church because you watch us all the time on, on the internet. So if you're, we're your home church, then you should be tithing, gifting, uh, giving, and and to your your local ch- your your church. I should say, that's that the scriptures say. And I don't want to get into all that. I just uh, the church needs to have finances. Unfortunately, otherwise, if we didn't have to, we could go all around the world free of charge and preach the gospel. But we can't. We have to buy airline tickets and all that kind of stuff, food and everything else. So. That that keeps the gospel going, not just this church but every church. So um, give to your local church that you uh, belong to. Uh, FreedomChurchPB.org, you can go to that website and you can give online also. For those of you here, you know we we have tithe envelopes in the front of the chair in front of you. We have Gospel of John's for you to take home and give it to people. There's larger ones on the back, you know, that you can give to your neighbors and friends and family. Um, so um, um, do that, would you? And um, let's see. I think that's about everything. Oh, wh- one thing I didn't mention is every Sunday we're here at 10 a.m., so tune in. Every Sunday at 10 a.m., bring your family in front of the the TV and and watch us, or not the TV, but the Internet, and, and watch Freedom Church where you can get spiritual insight. I preach mostly, um, you know, by the word, word by word, line by line, chapter by chapter. Um, and uh, for the most part, not just that, but we do do topical studies, which our message today is is both, really. It's priceless, and it's, it's, a, top, it's, a, it's a continuous study, word by word, verse by verse. So um, also, men, if you're local, Saturday morning, 9 a.m., we meet right here in the church. It's not aired. But every every man in the area, you know, you're definitely welcome to come 9 a.m. every Saturday. So come on by. So I've said uh, earlier that this is Communion Sunday for us, and I had advised anybody online that maybe get yourself a piece of bread, cracker, and a, a cup of juice, and take communion with us. When we have, as we have fellowship with the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So. Uh, while you're doing that, I want to read some scripture to you. I'm going to read from John, chapter 1, one, first John, I mean, chapter one. I love these first three verses. I just love them. And as when we partake of communion, you remember that Jesus was speaking to them, the disciples at the table, and he, they're going to they're going to say here every. You know, that they saw him, they ate with him. You know, it's, it's it's inevitable. It doesn't say they hugged him and they kissed him, but I would bet they did. You know, I know you, if Jesus would walk in this room and I'd literally see him, I'd like to run up to him, kiss him on the cheek and jump in his lap. You know, um, but but here's the disciples, and, and Jesus is going to tell them something. We'll go from here, 1 John 1, 1 through 3. We're going to jump over to 1 Corinthians 11. Here's what John says. The disciple that Jesus loved. He said that because he was probably the only one of the disciples that knew Jesus loved him. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. This life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifest to us. Here he goes again. He's going to repeat it. That which I, we have seen and heard, we declare to you 2,000 years later that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son. Jesus Christ three and a half years a minimum they walked with Jesus. wouldn't you like to say that? Well some of you've been walking with the Lord many years forty fifty years, some of them only a couple weeks who knows but you know what it's still happening today we still we can see him spiritually, not physically we can hear him audibly as we read the Word of God we can. We can, we can feel him sometimes as we walk down the road knowing that he's right beside us. When we pray, some of us are afraid to open our eyes or are going to be staring at Jesus' nail-scarred feet. They were telling us, John was telling us, I've seen it, I've heard it, I handled him, I loved him, I kissed him, I hugged him. That's what he's saying. And that's for us to do today. And what, John, what Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and the 23rd verse, Paul, who wasn't one of the original disciples, but you know, um, he was given all this stuff by the Holy Spirit, all this Word of God by the Holy Spirit. And even Peter said, some of the things that Paul tells you are hard to understand, but I condone him. In other words, I approve now, what he says is completely accurate. So Paul is going back in Corinthians and telling us about the Last Supper. Verse 23 of 1 Corinthians 11. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And he had, when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take and eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We here at Freedom Church take it once a month, first Sunday in a month. Some churches do it every day. Some churches do it every week. You know what? Jesus said, do it three times a day. That's what he's saying here. He's saying, every time you drink, every time you eat, think of him and remember him. That's breakfast, lunch, dinner, and all the snacks in between. This is important. We cannot forget Jesus. You know, if you go to the seven churches of Revelation, here's what you'll find out. Those churches have drifted from their first love. And the church today, so many people and believers have drifted from their first love. And now, you know, in some of the churches, some of these things that ought not be are, or the world is brought into the church instead of the church going out to the world. I was just talking this morning to the ladies in the back and I said Lewis is playing the old hymns up here and I'm thinking I love the old hymns and I love the new contemporary stuff I love them both but you know what I love most about the old hymns? most of the old hymns are talking about him most of the new contemporary stuff is talking about us how we can have joy you know what it's in him we gotta go back to Jesus. And that would be like the, uh, the church of Ephesus that lost its first love. And Jesus rebuked him for it. Let's do this. When we take this cup today and this bread, really remember what Jesus did for you. Remember that his beard was pulled out. He was punched in the face while he was blindfolded. He was mocked, cursed, made the, they threw a purple robe on him. Thrown, God, he was whipped with the cat of nine tails. The robe was put back on him. He was crowned with thorns. The robe was torn off after all the blood was caked on his back and dried up. It was ripped open again when they tore off the robe. Then they threw him to the ground, nailed him to a cross, picked the cross up, dropped it in a hole, and all of his bones came out of joint just like the scriptures say. We need to remember that, what he did for us. It's morbid when you think about it, but Jesus had to drink. And I mentioned it, and I'll probably mention it today. You know, in, in uh, Psalms, I think it's 51, that he had to drink the cup of God's righteous wrath. Every dreg, which means every drop, he had to lick out the cup. Every drop. We need to remember what he did for us. I'm sorry to say, I wish I remembered every waking moment of the day, but I don't. I do it a lot, but not as much as he deserves. So let's partake together and remember his broken body, which is for your physical healing. Let's partake together. So as we remember him, when we eat breakfast, lunch, dinner, and the snacks. Remember his broke broken body. Let's remember his precious shed blood that caused the earth to quake, the clouds to become dark, the moon was hidden, the sun was hidden, the earth was quaking, the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom because this blood has redeemed mankind. And now, to go right up to the Holy of Holies. The curtain is open. Not just a high priest once a year offering sacrifice. Every single one of us can get through that curtain into the Holy of Holies, bow our faces before the King of Kings and worship Him and His nail-scarred feet and His Father, our God, who is our Savior. Let's partake, remembering His blood. Man, Lord, we remember what you did for us. We know that was our penalty. But you demonstrated your love towards us even while we were yet sinners and you died for us. I pray that the church, this church, myself would have that kind of agape love. A love that is way beyond man's comprehension. We thank you, Lord, for your amazing love towards us, and thank you for redeeming us, for saving us, and for tearing us out of those grave clothes that was holding us back in our service towards you. Every one of us have the same problem today. We're all sinners. We all fall short of your glory, but we're also saints who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And we praise you and thank you, Lord. So I'd rather see myself as a saint than not a sinner, because I know the Savior. Lord, stay on our hearts, our minds, our soul, every moment of the day. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church. Um, for night, for now, we got a. I got some flyers here. I do this a lot. You know, there's some flyers. Max, would you pass these out to everyone? They'll rest it on a back chair back there or something on the table. Give them to Brian. He'll know what they're doing. This is a one-page study that I have for you there. Um, It's one page. It's dual-columned. There's five points in this. I'm going to read the first 14 verses. I think that's probably where we're going to end today. There's 21 verses, or 22 verses in the chapter. This is this study's called Priceless, and it's Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to read the first 14 verses. I'll read out of the Bible that has the bigger print here. <laughs> yeah. um. Ephesians. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 14 for right now, okay? Everybody there? Okay. And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature's children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespass, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace, in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved, through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. Therefore, Remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh are now called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands that which that time you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise having no hope and without God in the world But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Our first point today is priceless. What is priceless? What is priceless in this chapter? According to verse ten it says that you are Christ's workmanship. You, he, the one that he created, you in your mother's womb, going all the way back to Adam and Eve. You are his workmanship. You know, while we were, while we were worshiping, the Lord spoke to me. And he said, I see these pictures I had in the, in the room there. You know what? Whose workmanship is this? Leonardo da Vinci. That's his work. I got another one here for you. Whose work is this? You don't know I'll bet you don't know His name is Pino. Pino, this is Esther. This is Esther. They're ready to kill her because she interrupted the king, her husband. Pino painted this, one of the most, he's about my favorite artist because so realistic, you can't tell. Ruth is about ready to die. The the soldiers are ready to kill him, but the king has said, whoa, hold back. This is Pino's creation. But you know what? Here's who created you. Jesus. All things were created by him and through him. He is the creator. God, the Lord Jesus Christ is your creator. You can find that in Colossians chapter 1 and John chapter 1, I think it's verse 3. He's your creator. You are his workmanship. So what is priceless? You, the creation of God. You are priceless. Why? Why are you priceless? According to your your paper there, it should be on there. Why are you priceless? Here's why. Because the soul of you is from God. You live because of the soul God gave you. He breathed life into your soul. He breathed life into Adam's nostrils, and he became a living being. And we sang about the dry bones today in Ezekiel chapter 37. You know how those bones came to life? God blew a wind upon them. They came to life. The soul is from God. Here's Genesis 127. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. See, we're triune being. Just like God, and I showed you in Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3. The Trinity is right in the first three verses of the Bible. In the beginning, God created, the Spirit hoovered on the first in the water, verse 2. And verse 3, God said, and who is the Word of God? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. There you are, Trinity, first three verses of the Bible. We are a triune being. Even First Thessalonians tells us that. Here's what it says. May the God of peace sanctify you completely. That means may your whole soul, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be made complete until the coming of Christ. You are a triune being. That's why in Genesis chapter 2, God said, Let us make man in our image, Notice the plural pronouns, not to mention the plural Elohim in Genesis chapter one. Genesis chapter in the beginning, God Elohim, not El singular. That's the singular for Hebrew. It's Elohim plural. Then we see God saying it in second chapter, in let us make God man in our image, plural pronoun. Then we see you know that. The apostles write it in their doctrine, the apostle John in verse chapter one, verse three. We see it written in Colossians, chapter one. We see it all through the Bible. Jesus is our Creator, and we we have we are sanctified by in our spirit, our soul, and our body. Most people out there, seven and a half, almost eight billion people, are dead in their spirit. They walk in without any spirituality at all, because their spirits are still dead. The soul is supposed to be chasing after God and to find God, but it doesn't. It finds alcohol, it finds drugs, it finds pornography and sex and all kind of endless endless sin and trespass against God. The soul is from God, and because of that, point number two is that your soul is priceless because it's from God. Listen, if God painted this picture right here, Himself, there ain't nobody's going to take it off of me. Nobody's going to take it off of me. God gave it to me. He's given us a lot of things, and we let the devil just snatch them away. You know, for a long time, He took my self esteem. Even while we were part of Freedom Church, here, touch your self-esteem. Hey, why do we, why did I even have a self-esteem problem? I am God's creation. I'm made in His image. I might look like some of the handsome men out there, but so what? God doesn't look at the outward shell. He looks at the inward heart. He loves what's in your spirit and your soul. He doesn't look if you're fat or ugly. Well, I don't want him. He's too ugly. Or he's too fat, I don't want him. No, he doesn't say that. He's looking at your inward being. Even the great prophets had to learn that. Samuel, God had to say, when you go to to Jesse's sons, do not look at their outward appearance. Because I don't look at the outward appearance, I see the heart. And therefore... By the time they got to David, and his dad didn't even think he was worthy to even be called before the great prophet Samuel. He was just a little ruddy kid. Knew how to fling a sing- slingshot, that's about it. Knew how to praise God out in the field with his harp or his guitar or whatever he had back then. God doesn't look at the outline of the parents. Your soul is priceless. Ephesians, we just read it in verse 8. For by grace you're saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift from God. Your soul is a gift from God. And we know James, he tells us, every good gift and every perfect gift comes from where? The Father of lights. You have been given your life as a gift from God. And He wants your soul back. I mean, he wants your spirit alive. A lot of the world out there, as I said, their spirit is still dead. People that go to counselors, secular counselors, let me tell you what that counselor is well trained. They are. They minister in soul and body. They miss what? Most important part of a man, the spirit. That's why. You know, a lot of counselors don't have a PhD. They're ministering to the whole man, not just two parts of the whole man. And we need to know that and learn that because God is the beginning of all wisdom and all knowledge. So if you know God, believe me, you're going to excel above what the world. Now the world and you are going to have a great disagreement. Your soul is priceless. That's why Jesus said, What should it profit a man if you gain the whole world and forfeit your soul? I've known a lot of millionaires in my life. Some saved and some not. What does it profit them if they gain the whole world? Look at some of the rich people around the world, and I was even online, and it was showing me this guy's worth six billion dollars. I'm there, uh, six hundred billion. I don't even remember. I'm there, like what? Some of the movie stars—they're worth about six hundred, about six six hundred million dollars. What do you do with six hundred million dollars? You take Bill Gates, for example. He gives a lot to charities, but it's like you pulling a half a cent out of your pocket because of the money that he makes. People judge by the appearance of a big pile of money instead of what Jesus judged by the heart. He said, that woman that put two mites in the plate gave more than you because she gave it from here, from here. We miss the heart. Mankind is so uh, corruptible. He thinks about money all the time. And we have to have money delivered. There's nothing wrong with that. You should have money in your bank account in case you get laid off from work. You should have money put away to buy a new refrigerator if it breaks. You should have money in the bank if you care. So there's nothing wrong with money. It's just, as, as uh, Timothy, Paul tells Timothy, I believe, he said, the love of money is the root of all evil. Money isn't. Some people can handle money quite well. Millionaires do. But what would it profit you if you gained the whole world and lose your own soul? Yet today, especially people in America and even rich people, they have no thought of the hereafter. Oh, I'm a good guy. I gave a million dollars to the church. This is God's blood that flowed onto the ground. And you're worried about your bank account. They give no thought of the hereafter. They hoard up all this money, and someday that's going to be it. I was just reading about um, Abigail and her husband Nabal. David came to get some food for, the, for the, the celebration of her husband because he protected his lands and guarded his sheep so nobody would stole him. And Nabal says, no. Who is David anyhow? What's he? Some rev- revolutionist against King Saul? Well, David put in heart; he's going to kill him because he valued money. But Abigail she came come running to David and loaded up the donkeys and put all kind of food on there for David's men, and she apologized and asked her, him to forgive her husband. And David would have ended up murderous if he would have went and killed Nabal. But he didn't. But Nabal died. He was drunk one night, not too long after this happened, and he passed over. He passed out away. Boom. Like that. But you know what David recognized? He recognized the love and the compassion. And the, what can I say, the, he recognized who he was. (laughs) Let's put it that way. And you know what David did? He married her. He married her because he was looking up. It says she was a pretty woman. But you know what? He was looking, even though she might have been pretty, he was looking at the heart of that woman when he married her. That's why he married Abigail, because he saw a woman with love and compassion for people. It's written in the Scriptures, and I'll read it to you, the soul who sins dies. That's another way of saying the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Here's Ephesians 2 5. Even when we were dead in sins, he hath quickened or made us alive together with Christ. By grace we have been saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You are going to heaven. You believe in Jesus. You are going to heaven. Therefore, 1 Corinthians 15, this corruptible shall put on incorruption and the mortal shall put on immortality. Right now, we're not there. I'm a corruptible body. I'm I'm immoral. I'm mortal, I should say. But I need to put on, someday I'm going to put on immorality and incorruption, just like you, because it's the point at once for man to die, and after this comes judgment, unless we should be fortunate enough to be alive when Jesus comes bursting through the clouds with the voice of an archangel, and the dead in Christ accompany him, and the trump of God, then we will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air after those who were dead will go to the air. And we're going to touch on that later. And Jesus brings back with him those who were dead, the saints, but yet their body was resurrected. This, You know what that is? That's a picture of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. We, too, will be resurrected immortal. Amen. Even though our spirits are with God in the kingdom of heaven, we're coming back. That's Ephesians, or 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. And if I get to there today, I'll explain it a little bit more. Here's what Ezekiel wrote back chapter 18 verse 4 Behold all souls are mine this is God talking through Ezekiel Behold all souls are mine as the soul of the father also the soul of the son is mine the soul that sin that sins it shall die That's all there is to it The soul that sins you will die because I'm a sinner you're a sinner Even if we weren't sinners, we still have the original sin of Adam and Eve. So we're sinners. We can't get away from it. But as I prayed earlier, I'm a sinner, but I'm also a saint because I put my faith in Jesus Christ. Yes, I'm a sinner saved by grace through Jesus Christ. That's it. Let me read you. If you you don't believe me about that verse, here's our Psalm 51. I mentioned it early. Awake, 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 Stand up, O Jerusalem, you who have drunk at the hand of the Lord the cup of his fury. You have drunk the dregs of the cup of trembling and drained it out. Mankind is at its end. Jesus came when it was, it was terrible time. And he's going to come again at the most terrible time. They drained out all God's wrath. God's still putting up and still shows us grace at this time period right now. But there's going to come a day when His righteous wrath is going to fall on this earth. And rightfully so. But, listen to the 22nd verse. You don't have to partake of that cup. Thus says the Lord, the Lord and your God who pleads the cause of the people. See, I have taken out of your hand the cup of trembling, the dregs of the cup of my fury. You shall no longer drink it. You have a choice. You don't have to drink of the righteous, the cup of the righteous wrath of God against sin. You don't have to drink it. God says I'm going to take it out of your hands. So he sent his Je- his son Jesus Christ. He came down and he was as I said earlier before we took communion, you know, his his beard was pulled out, he was punched in the face, blindfolded, he was crowned with thorns, he was mocked with a purple robe, he was whipped with a cat of nine tail. He was he was again nailed to a cross. And that cross dropped into the hole, as I said, sending all his joints out of be out of joints, just like the scriptures say. You don't have to take it, all you have to do is believe on him. And the world goes, I'd say seven billion people say, so what? So what? You don't have to drink of it. Thank God. When I was 27, he took that cup out of my hand. And blessed be the name of the Lord. Whew. Bless the Lord. We, we, we should all get down on our knees right now and start licking up the dust on the ground for what he just did for us. But we don't worry about getting the Burger King before 12. Point number one, man has sold himself for a fool's price. How foolish can you be to be willing to take the wrath of God because of your sin when he took it away from you and all you have to do is believe? Adhere to, trust in, rely on him because it's a verb and a verb demands action. You just can't say, oh, I believe, and then walk away. No, you believe. Your heart cries because what was done to him at the cross, that was your punishment and my punishment. And he took it out of our way. He he demonstrated towards us, even while those seven billion people that are still sinners out there, he demonstrated his love towards them. And the world goes, I don't care. I don't care. And therefore, we'll have to drink of that cup of wrath if you don't believe. Well, this is a condemnation message. No, it isn't. There's good news. I just gave you the good news part. He took the cup out of your hand. Just believe in him. So hard. What's so hard about that? Buying our own freedom is impossible. We can't pay for our own sin. It's an impossible price to pay. It can't be done. But Jesus will paint it for us, and our souls go to heaven. You know why he did that? Because we are his workmanship. We are his workmanship, and he loves you. You know what? You know that if you've been in my class, I'm a professional sign painter by trade. I've won awards for sign painting. I was featured in magazines for sign training, for sign, uh, for, you know, written in magazines on my company, at least three times. If someone when people took the sign down and the business would change ownership, they take my sign down, I, I was hurt, <laughs> you know, because that was my creation. And I loved it. And then I'd use that, maybe that layout or that design for another company that maybe came into the market. You know, because I love that design. Pinot would never destroy his painting. Believe me. If I saw this hanging on a wall and I had the money, it would be in my living room. And Liz might not approve of that. But I'm telling you what, I love this picture. I love Pinot. He just died recently, as a matter of fact. I would never. He would never destroy his painting, and neither will God destroy. He doesn't want to destroy man, but a righteous wrath uh, over sin has to be paid. So God took it out of your hands. He sent Jesus, and Jesus paid for it. And you want to sell yourself for a fool's price. You're foolish if you don't believe in God. And you know what? The scriptures tell you that. You're not supposed to call men fools, but they are foolish, the scriptures say they're foolish if they don't believe in God. I've met many of people on their deathbed and uh, some of them actually accepted the Lord, just squeaking their way into heaven if they were sincere at that time. See, we can have a rebirth. We can have a resurrection. Because it says in verse one of Ephesians let me turn back there again ephesians 2And you may were he made alive who were dead in sins and trespasses he made you alive what he said you were dead no they weren't dead they were living the physical part of that person was living he's talking you were spiritually dead you were spiritually dead and you He made alive who were dead physically because of trespasses and sin. But he made them alive. He made them alive spiritually. That's why Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 3 and 5, you must be born again. A lot of people, especially certain denominations, they hate that. You must be born again. Hey, I didn't say it. Jesus did. Peter says it in his, in his epistles. We must be born again. He didn't say you, you should be. He said you must be. What does that mean? You must come alive spiritually. Yes, you're alive now, but you're, remember I said your spirit your soul's alive and your body's alive, but your spirit is dead before you receive Christ. Once you receive Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit now comes into your spirit, and He's supposed to rule the roost. But our flesh is holding us back because we have—we need to be delivered from drugs, alcohol, foul mouth, whatever it may be. We're sinners, and we fall short, and God's going to take it out of our hands if we just submit to Him and be born again. I've sat down with... with Bibles on my lap. Their Bibles in people's homes. And they said, Jesus didn't say that. And I just opened up their, I said, go get your Bible. And they go get their Bible, and they bring it down, and their mouths just hit the floor. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. You must be born again. Must be. That's a message for the whole world. And if you're born again, you don't have to drink every... Drop of the righteous wrath of God against your sin. What a good deal! What a good deal! Wow. Ephesians 2.5, five. Skipped on a few verses. Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace. you saved. You have been saved. notice it says have been saved. Past tense. You did it. You did it. Your spirit is alive, like 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. May God sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved, complete, until the coming of Christ. If you're not born again, you have a body and you have a soul, but your spirit's dead. And the spirit's what brings life. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then you will be my witnesses. You are dead until your spirit comes alive. And how do you do that? By receiving Christ as your Savior. That's simple. It's a gift. God gave you a gift. And in order to receive a gift, you've got to go get it. you got to receive it. Because if I use the Christmas tree all the time, you know. If my wife put a present under the Christmas tree for me and I don't go get it, it's still not mine. I don't know what it is. You have to go get it. God's offering you eternal life. Go get it. Grab it out of his hand. I want it. Man sold himself for a sinner's price to pay back a freedom that has an impossible price. Only Jesus could pay that price that we cannot pay, and it's only by His blood. For without the shedding of blood, says Leviticus and Hebrews, there is no remission for sin. Without the shedding of blood. Point number five under you are His creation is we have an ascension to a heavenly place. We are going to ascend to heaven. Remember Jesus, 40 days, after Pentecost, he ascended into heaven. His his place right now is interceding for you and me. The Holy Spirit is the one that's in this world today telling us what to do. And I'm sure, you know, Jesus shows up and he's, uh, he's there, but he's interceding for me. If, if, I, if, I, if I sin, he's going before God the Father as my lawyer, my advocate, saying, Father, I know Joe just sinned. He's mine. He's received me. And God the Father says, Okay, price is paid. Move on, Joe. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We have an ascension to a heavenly place because we are his workmanship. He doesn't want his workmanship to go wasted. He wants you in the kingdom of God. He wants you there. You're his workmanship. And then verse 6 of Ephesians 2, and hath raised us up together and made us sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Look at He raised you up. Once you received Christ, He raised you up together. And made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We're going to heaven, people, the ones that accepted Christ as their Savior. We're going to sit in heavenly places. We're going to be with others that we love. It's written right there. In Christ Jesus. Anybody that's in Christ Jesus is going to be there. Ephesians 2.13. But now in Christ, you who sometimes were far off are made, nudge, made nigh by the blood of Christ. Before we had Christ's blood cleansing our sins away, you know, we... we um, where is it? I lost my verse. Let's see. We, we were raised up together and made to sit in heavenly places. But now in Christ Jesus, we who were sometimes far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Because we believe in Christ and the blood he shed on the cross. Listen, we are drawn near to Jesus. When once we were far off, listen, I told you I was 27 when I got saved. I wish I was seven days when I got saved. Twenty-seven. Listen, I was far off from God, I'm going to tell you that. I've told you many times, some of the things I've done, I I know when my wife don't even know, because I'm not going to tell her, because that guy's dead, thank God. Some things I did tell you. But uh, thank God I don't I don't want that kind of life. I'm so glad the Lord saved me and reached out of heaven and when me being so far off and drew me nowhere near to the kingdom of heaven by the blood of Christ. And you were in the same place. Maybe not as bad as me, maybe worse than me. But you you weren't it's not a big deal. It's not, you know, If you were far off, you've been made, drawn near by the blood of Christ. So praise God. Ephesians 2.18. For through him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Thank you, Max. Through Christ we have access by one Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, unto the Father. That tells you, remember I said the, the curtain was torn in half from top to the bottom and where the high priest only went in there one time a year, sacrificing blood, throwing blood on the, I think seven times on the mercy seat. Well, now we could go right to the throne of God through Christ Jesus because we have access, because the Holy Spirit lives in us. And because the Holy Spirit lives in us, we are clean before God and we can enter into his presence. And that's why we're going to heaven. Our spirits have been made clean. The soul has a lot of work to do. And the flesh man should follow after the soul. But once the spirit is saved, you should be, you have the power of God, the same power to raise Jesus from the dead, and we should be able to get out of our wretched, disgusting sin and be delivered from it. But we struggle with it. I struggled with it right here this morning at the altar. There's sins in my life. I want them, rid of them. And I need delivered from them. And a lot of people say, Saints don't need delivered. Yes, you do. Maybe you drink too much wine. Maybe you watch too much TV. Maybe you eat too much food. Simple thing. You might bite your nails. I don't know you need delivered from them. That's not, God didn't put us here to bite my, my nails, and I do bite my nails <laughs> sometimes. A lot less than I used to do. See, I'm a sinner. Saved by grace. Through faith. And therefore I'm made a saint. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I was far off, but now I'm drawn near. I can go right to the feet of God. There's been times in my life I was afraid to open my eyes because I fear I'll be looking at the feet of Jesus. So close to God. And I can do that because of the blood of Christ. The application, Paul tells us these things, and I'm going to get to it. I didn't think I'd get to this part. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. But I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren. Here's what Paul's saying. This is what Peter was saying. Some things are hard to believe, but it's Scripture. He knew it was Scripture. I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren. In other words, he wants you to be aware. He wants you to know what's going on, not to just pass it up. A lot of Christians today have no idea there's going to be a rapture. so they call themselves Christians. But there's a rapture before the second coming. I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. That means anybody that has died, Paul's telling you, I don't want you to be unaware that they're alive as we go on. You can see this. Lest you sorrow as other people who have no hope. We have hope. This verse is one of them. Actually, back to the last verse, it says, therefore, comfort one another with these words. This is a passage of comfort, okay? If you believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who fell asleep. That means those who died, okay? When Christ comes back to the crowds in the rapture, The reason why we call it rapture is because of the Latin word raptus, which means to be caught up. Okay? So, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who fell asleep. I thought they were in their grave. I thought they were in the grave. Jesus bringing them with him. How can that be? See, the resurrection's about to happen. That body will be resurrected someday at the second coming or the rapture. Those bodies will be resurrected. See, my mom and dad are dead. Liz's mom just passed away two and a half, three months ago. She's in heaven. Her body's in a grave. Jesus' body was in the grave for three days and three nights. It might be 3,000 years that that body's in the grave, but when Jesus comes back with my mother-in-law, with my father and my mother, gee, he's going to be up there, and their bodies are going to be resurrected. And my dad's buried in the ocean. You don't think God can gather him up? Huh? Well Your, your faith is a little bit too small because my God created the universe and all that's in it. And he knows every star by by name. I forget your name half the time after I've just learned it. But he knows them all by name. He can gather up. No matter if you, you were eaten by a shark, he, he's going to gather you up because he's God. Don't limit God. That's why Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead four days after he died. So you would know that God can do anything as long as it's not sinful. He will never bow against His Word. So my mom and dad, Liz's mom's coming back with Jesus, but her body's in the grave. And if we believe that Jesus died and rove again, even God will bring with Him those who fell asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the Word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain will be caught that we who are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air and thus we, and where did I going to lose my place here? We're alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. So they're in heaven, but they're asleep in the grave and they're going to precede us to heaven. So you know what? I'm going to be standing here. You're going to hear that trumpet, sound. The dead in Christ are going to be raised up and you're going to watch all these graves open up and they're going up the sky to meet their spirits in the air and thus they'll ever be with the Lord. And then we who are alive and remain will be raptors, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Amen. This is why I say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord, this is the second coming. Not, I mean, this is... until the coming of the Lord, that's the second coming, if you were, will not precede those who were asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. They're coming out of that grave. But their spirits are alive. They're with Jesus already. Paul even says it, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's truth. That's, when the Lord comes at this rapture, his feet are never going to touch the ground. That's the second coming when he goes in through the East Gate in Jerusalem into the temple. His feet never touch the ground. We're going to be caught up to meet him in the air. And thus that, as far as I'm concerned, ushers in the, the great tribulation of seven years. Because I'm a pre-trib preacher. I believe that when the, when the world's going to be in chaos... When the dead in Christ and we who are alive will remain. Like when we're in this church and your, ch- your children see that you're gone. Everybody in Freedom Church has disappeared. They're going to say, Mom was right. Dad was right. Because we're going to be empty. This church will be empty. That's my responsibility to make sure that all of you are saved. Because I'm a shepherd. The flock might be small, but I'm still a shepherd. You're a shepherd too over your own family. Listen the Lord's coming back you aren't going to deny it the heavens the heavens are going to be open with a with a shout i believe only the believers will hear this might be some thunder or something you know how the how how when god spoke to the disciples uh, about his son a lot of people perceived it as thunder but other people said knew that he said this is my beloved son and no one will pleased. They're going to wonder what happened. Then there's going to be, hopefully, billions of people missing from earth. Now there's seven years coming up. And some man is going to grab leadership because of the great chaos. And there we're going to have to see the Antichrist, who's going to rise up, causing peace to be with the Jews, because he's going to offer to build them this temple. And they're going to build this, he's going to build their temple, and they're going to love this guy, thinking he's the, see, he's, uh, you know, he's for them. And then on three and a half years into it, according to Daniel and Revelation, 42 months after that, he's going to go on the throne, and he's going to proclaim himself to be God, and the Jews are going to go, whoa. And 144,000 evangelistic Jews will come, 12,000 out of each tribe. And They'll begin to preach the gospel in all the world. Because the Lord's going to descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ who are alive will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up raptus to meet the Lord in the air. And thus, we will ever be with the Lord. And the last verse of 1 Thessalonians 4 is, Therefore, comfort one another with these words. So if you're struggling, wondering where your grandma is, your grandpa, your parents, your children, your cousins, you know what? This passage is encouraging, especially if they knew Jesus. That they're in heaven with, with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. My last point on this, and we'll end it. I only got one point out of the five. We have a wonderful hope we have hope. You know what? A lot of people, uh, even religions, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm talking religions, they knock away your hope. You can commit uh, a sin that will get you to hell, and you, you can't get out of it. Well, why don't you just give up then? See, we have hope. Faith, hope, and love. These three will remain. Faith, hope, and love. The rest are going to perish. But faith, hope, and love will remain to the very end. 1 Corinthians 13, last verse, I think it's verse 8. We have a wonderful hope. My mom and dad aren't dead. They're spiritually alive with God in heaven. Now, someday the body's going to be resurrected, just like Jesus' body. Oh, it might take, instead of three days, it would be 3,000 years until the body. But Jesus was still alive when He was killed, remember? He went to hell took the keys off of Satan, led the captives in Abraham's bosom home to the kingdom of heaven. He was alive and well in the spirit until his body was resurrected the third day. And he did that for us so we would know. It's a small picture of a greater picture. And that's what God does all through the Bible. That's why I can appreciate the Word of God because I was a painter. I was a painter. And I appreciate painters who do such a thing. That painting that I like of of Pino's, you know, Queen Esther, I'm sure I probably could never afford it. But I would love to. I have it on my computer at home to print anytime I want. I love that picture. Now we have been alive, made alive in Christ. Now we have hope The devil comes to steal hope from us. John 10.10 says this. The devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. The devil will steal your peace. Number one. That's number one. He'll steal your peace. The devil will steal your joy. And he will, will destroy your faith. If you let him. Faith, hope, and love. He has no power to kill you physically. Jesus stripped him at the cross. Made an open spectacle of him at the cross. But he can kill your joy. And he does it all the time. Some Christians walk around with mopey faces. We should be the happiest people on the face of the earth. We should be jumping up and down, Kissing the ground. Because we're part of the kingdom of heaven we got to remember we're not home yet we will be someday we will be home and i told you about the missionary that was 40 years in the mission field in africa he's coming home with his wife and at the he he ends up on the same boat where teddy roosevelt was on cuz teddy roosevelt the president of the united states was on a safari in africa shooting his whatever's and there's a big fanfare at the docks because President uh, Roosevelt was on this ship. While they were on the ships cruising across the Atlantic, you know, everybody was trying to get to see President Roosevelt, President Roosevelt. You know, everything was about President Roosevelt. When they got to shore on America New York, there was a big fanfare there, welcoming President Roosevelt home. The missionary—he's getting sad the whole time over. His wife is okay, but he—the the 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 priest they not the priest, but the missionary—he's there. I don't get it. I don't get it. We spent forty some years in a, in the, in the in Africa preaching the gospel. We come to the, to to uh, go home to America, and nobody's waiting for us. We sail across the ocean. Nobody asked us what we did or where we we were. And we get into America, and there's a big fanfare for President Roosevelt, the, tea, the radio stations, the TV stations, the reporters, everybody's there, and the missionary's going like, I don't get it. We just served 40 years, and President Roosevelt on afar, he gets all this fanfare. He goes home, they rented a cheap apartment in New York, and in that cheap apartment in New York, you know, he was getting madder and madder, and finally his wife said, honey, Go into the bedroom and ask God. So he goes into the bedroom, gets down on his knees. He comes out a few minutes later. And she says, well, that was quick. What did God say? He said, you aren't home yet. You aren't home yet. None of us are home yet. But we're going home someday into the kingdom of heaven. And we have hope. And therefore, comfort one another with these words. We're not home yet. So no, us preachers that have small churches, missionaries that go out for short periods, missionaries that go out for long periods, you don't get welcomed home so much. But there's a fanfare waiting for you in the kingdom of heaven. Bless be in the name of the Lord. Let's close. Father God, we thank you and praise you, Lord. You are our all in all. We love you with all of our heart. Help us to serve you in the best way we can. And use us mightily for your kingdom, for time is short. And we need your Holy Spirit's help for each and every one of us to take the gospel into a dying, sinful, wretched world. In Jesus' name, help us to do so. Amen and amen. God bless you, everybody. We'll continue uh, this study down the road. I'm not sure next week's Mother's Day, so... I might do a Mother's Day message, and we'll come back to this. All right. I love you all, and God bless you.